Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're not so astonished. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning. Such a beautiful morning out there. Um, and it's... You just pick up your newspapers and you don't really know what to say, do you? You turn on the radio news yesterday morning to get the update and you don't know what to say, do you? There's just no words. Um, No need for any of us to speculate. Your newspapers are full of it and no doubt it'll all emerge in the days and weeks to come what exactly happened at that house in Tara, uh, our thoughts are with the families. That is all you can say. I don't even propose to go through the newspapers just to say they've all got their own particular take on it. They've all got their own particular version of what happened. Unfortunately, none of us will know for sure for some time to come. And our thoughts are with uh, the families and the victims and the neighbours and the friends and everybody who knew them in a very close-knit area, which is what Tala is. And another family visited by unspeakable tragedy at the weekend. That's the family of Henry de Bromhead, a young lad, Jack de Bromhead, down on Glenbay Beach, a beach I remember well from my own childhood. When I was 12 or 13, we were fairly regular visitors to Glenbay in County Kerry. And I remember that beach and again, another unspeakable tragedy on a young, promising lad. They were saying that even at the age of 12 or 13, he showed incredible instinct as a natural horseman. And such, such a tragic thing to happen. So even though it's a bright and beautiful morning and the weather behaved itself a lot more than we thought it would over the weekend, it's still desperately, desperately sad news to be starting a Monday with, but I guess we have to mention it. If we were talking about something happy, we'd be mentioning that too. 
0818-969696, your number, text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696, and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I want to start by going through a couple of stories that were dominating the local news over the weekend. People sent me video of this, and I couldn't believe it, the video of the guards just trying to arrest and stop this Character. Bore Tui joins me from the 96FM newsroom. A couple of things. There's a disco as well cancelled at short notice in Middleton, Morid. But I'll start with that one. This van driving dangerously through the city and a guy arrested at the end of it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, so this happened on Friday afternoon. And as you say there, there was a man arrested, a man in his teens was arrested. And it was an incident of dangerous driving. It happened in the, the Centre Park Road area of Cork City. So not far from Parky Cueve. Um, and it happened, as I say, on Friday. Now, the, the man was arrested. Um, the teen, the male teen was arrested, taken to the Bridewell Guard station. So I suppose like some witnesses kind of described what they saw and said, you know, that the, it was a van and that they swerved onto the footpath at one stage and, and nearly hit some people who were standing on the grass and continued up, as they say, Central Park Road and uh, there was an unmarked, as I understand, an unmarked guard car was following it and it eventually uh, came to a stop and and that, that male teen was arrested and taken to the Bridewell Garda station. So I can imagine for anyone who was in the area at the time, it must have been quite a frightening experience to witness that. Mm, he was held under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act, so presumably whatever will be done at the end of that will be done. Uh, the other one in Middleton, this was a, a disco which was organised for the, the GA club. They said so uh, Brock I understand are the, the organisers but it was cancelled I suppose at, at the very last minute and, and people were commenting saying you know it's very short notice that people are on the way and like for a disco like this you know your parents are dropping maybe groups of two or three off to the door you know and for, for safety purposes these people have been getting ready probably all day picking dresses and clothes and outfits and then at the last minute for it to be cancelled so uh, the statement is that it was that it was down to unforced seen circumstances and beyond the control of, so as Middleton GA uh, issued this statement on their Facebook mm. page said it was beyond the control of Middleton GA, tonight's disco has to be postponed until the 24th of September and it says that all tickets uh, will remain valid and they're apologising for the late notice and they acknowledge the disappointment that this will cause but they're unable to host the event tonight. So all the tickets will remain valid for the 24th of September but as I say a lot of people commenting saying you know it's been very very short notice, yeah. people were on the way and uh, they just wanted to understand you know, what actually led to this and, and why it was so last minute because maybe some might have dropped, you know kids off and they're stranded, they're trying to get yes. back home um, you know, get their parents back and or whoever had dropped them off. So yeah so look, September 24th it's been it's it's going to take place, but I understand a number of people are just looking for refunds because uh, and people were were very disappointed that this happened. Mm. The GA club seemed to have been entirely faultless in this. Their premises had just been booked, but like you say, what is annoying people more it is the short notice. Well, I don't know how true this. Someone said to me it was literally like twenty minutes before the thing was due to start. Oh, that's not good enough. I mean, surely they could have given a bit more notice than that, especially when, you know, you're, as they say, you're dropping teenagers off mm. to a disco. They've been looking forward to it. But also, 
I'm trying to remember. I think it was the weather wouldn't have been the best either. So no. if you're dropping people, presuming the event is going ahead, um, and then you leave and you have to come back again, and people are getting soaked and wet, and talk about you know a night you're looking forward to turning into a complete mess, you know, and and a shambles. So yeah. it is disappointing, and, and the short notice really is is disappointing. And, and, and there's be been no explanation given. Like, sorry, sorry, Murray. There's been no explanation given as yet by the promoters as to what actually happened. No. So I haven't seen um, an explanation as of yet. Now, they have apologised to those who, who bought tickets. And, and as I say, they are saying they're going to put the show on later yeah. in the month. But um, as a reason, all we've been told is that it's unforeseen circumstances and beyond the control of, of the GA club. So as for what those unforeseen circumstances are or were, um, they haven't been made known as okay. of yet. All right. Thanks for that, Maureen Tuig, a 96FM news reporter. If you had anyone who was supposed to go to that event Friday night in Middleton and you know why it was pulled at the last minute maybe you could share it with us um, if you know anyone yet you're stranded because it's it's t- teenage discos my god we have all well those of us who've had teenagers have driven our children to discos and you leave them at the front gate and they're mortified that you're even coming within a half a mile of the place but you say, no, these are the rules. If you want to go, I drive you to the gate. And I pick you up afterwards. So you drive them to the gate and they wander off up the passageway and you drive away home. And then 20 minutes later, they're soaking wet, they're annoyed, they're frozen, and you're going back for them. Because the thing is cancelled at the last minute. Awful. Uh, nasty thing to do. Can someone please... It would be great to find out exactly what the hell happened there. So a, a bit of an explanation would not go amiss and to stress as everybody seems to do the GAA club had nothing were not at fault at all 0818 96 96 96 on Friday we were talking about uh, cameras and old fashioned cameras and collecting old analogue cameras and there's a, an exhibition coming up later in the month of old analogue cameras and photographs and a couple of comments came in at the end that I missed, including this one. It costs an awful lot to get film developed now. I bought a disposable camera for my daughter's 18th. It was 15 euro, and it then costs 17 euro to get it developed and also to get the photos digitally scanned. That's from Marie in Dunmanway. In my ignorance, I thought that the cost of processing was now included in the cost of the disposable camera. That tell you how long it is since I actually put a film in a camera. But I would have thought that for a disposable camera for 15 quid, you'd get the pictures in the same place processed as well. That's expensive, though. 0818 96 96 96. We're going to be looking a lot this week at poverty and the cost of living and just how difficult it is going to be or feels it's going to be for people heading into the the winter. Uh, there was a list, I found a great list on bunkers.ie of the most expensive things to use in your house in terms of electricity. Uh, and it's it's quite an enlightening list of things to do, things that are expensive. The top five, anything that gets hot is expensive, particularly anything that gets hot quickly is expensive. I'll give you the top five later in the day. But I wonder 
Would you know off the top of your head what's the most expensive electrical thing in the whole house? In the whole house. The most expensive electrical item in the entire house. Anyone care to guess? 083 396 96 96. You probably would get, easily get the number one. Fairly handy. But I wonder what you think, what, how, how you, the, most, the most expensive appliance in your house in terms of how it literally sucks electricity out of the wall. 083 396 96 96. Give that list later. You've currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! Oh my god, I don't believe it. Liam! Oh my god. I guess. What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it easy. Uh, drop it easy, yeah, no, I don't know. I have to spend it. Another winner, Liam. Go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. Remember last week we were talking about that incident down by the Southgate Bridge where the wall collapsed and the fire brigade had to run in and make the area safe and North Southgate Bridge had to be closed for a while and Dan Boyle was on last week talking about it and it's been kind of tossed around between who's responsible for it. According to the examiner over the weekend, it's the landowner is responsible for fixing the wall. This is the wall there by the City car park, you know that twenty-four hour city park car, car park, which is a private business. The council is saying that it's down to the landowner to fix the wall, but Councillor Kieran McCarthy, the council now coming under pressure to do something in the interim and build the landowner back because time is of the essence here. Good morning. Yeah, morning, PJ. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I suppose this is a, this is a, an ongoing story since earlier on this year when the, when uh, another section of the key wall actually collapsed around there. Um, but this is, I mean, this is a, a massive gaping hole actually that actually has appeared uh, over the weekend, um, and it's it's probably at a section on the south channel where I'd say the walls are relatively weak. And again, I'm not a structural engineer, but mm. um, they don't have that low, kind of lovely kind of limestone ashlar limestone kind of blocks you'd see in most parts of the South Channel and the North Channel. So, no, it's a real worry. And, I, I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I, I, I can I can buy into part of what the council is saying, going, yeah, it's on private land. But the gaping hole is right next to one of the key arteries in the city, which is Southgate Bridge. And if that kind of goes under, or if that has to be closed, then, then the city centre will have a major problem in terms of kind of getting in and out. Um, mm. And also, I mean, like, the, the Southgate Bridge is like the oldest bridge we have in the city, like, from whatever, 1712, 1713. Um, so, no, it's, and it's it's quite a gaping hole. So, I mean, and also, I mean, the tide comes in twice a day, kind of coming in and out of the of the blocks, right in the North Channel and the South Channel. So, the tide now has a full run right into the behind Southgate Bridge. So, uh, no, it, it, it is worrying. It's something that I'll, I'll put down a question to the mm. chief executive now at, at next week's council meeting to try to get more answers. Um, but, yeah. Because I'm thinking in terms of Kieran, and we we hope we don't see another one. But you and I both remember November of 2009, uh, oh, yeah. what happened when the the 
destruction down there in Grenville Place where the wall literally <coughs> fell into the water in, in the midst of a flood. We do not want that to happen down by Southgate Bridge. God alone knows what would happen if we had a 2009-style flood uh, in, in the winter with all that weak structure. What the hell would happen? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting I mean, that that section that you mentioned in Grenville Place. I mean, it's at, that was at a, at a curve of the of the the North Channel of the River Lee, and uh, so it was under because of the I suppose the curve and the key wall there came yeah. under pressure from the river, kind of uh, kind of undermining it. And I've I've a feeling the same is happening here, where you know you, you got that kind of that curve around the old farm of Beamish and Crawford site, and then you at the at low water levels you can see the river going over the weir, and then it actually hits Southgate Bridge. And I've a feeling the waters are speeding up there a lot because of just the curvature of the river channel itself so and probably that's probably one of the reasons why there's the two other sections as well have collapsed kind of upstream of 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 this as well in the last in the last few months so no it's just a it's 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 a very kind of worrying kind of section you wouldn't want to see like Southgate bridge closed off in particular um you can you can always kind of rebuild the bridge but like this is no this is this is quite serious and also i mean the car park is used by um a lot of people um, and also, I mean, I suppose the archaeology that's beyond, I suppose, behind the bridge as well. Yeah. I mean, when you see the gaping hole actually on the left, there's this lovely limestone blocks which date back to an old debtor's prison from like 300 years ago. And really? the car park actually, the car park was excavated as well in 2001, 2002, and yeah. they found like an Anglo-Norman town wall and late Viking age revetments and an old brewery belonged to Lane's, late the Lane family. And now there was some really interesting finds. So, no, I mean, no, the story and the memory and the heritage that's there, the built heritage, the architectural heritage, no, it's it's important to maintain. Um, and it's one of those places where you, you like, yeah, there's a lot of pedestrian traffic as well mm. going through there. And no, it's just yeah. an, it's an important heritage yeah. space for people. You can see where the council are coming from. Like you said, it's a private land. The person who owns the land is responsible for the upkeep of the land and the walls that surround it. But between all the time you spend faffing about chasing them, you'd have it done. You'd have it at least secured uh, at an emergency level and you'd have some start made on it ahead of the winter which let's face it November is only about 8 or 9 or 10 weeks away we don't want another flood yeah yeah no I completely agree with you and I'm, and as, as I say the closeness of the bridge it's just it's just too close to a major artery in the city um I mean, as I said, I, I buy the whole thing that it's on private property but yeah. there must be I mean it's, it's a question I'm going to ask next week like if, if something is um, highly damaged like this, and it's on private property, but it's in the public's interest that it's actually fixed. Like, especially yeah. the sort of infrastructure, key wall infrastructure. What is the story with it? And that's a question that I need to okay. to pin down next week. You're going to you're gonna bring first, that up at the council meeting. Executive. Yeah, yeah, but I'll put, down a, I'll put down a question to the chief executive. So we're 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 back next week. So that'll be my my first opening gambit of, of for September. With what the, what the would executive. happen in another city, Kieran, here or abroad? Would would the local authority intervene, or would they leave it down to private business? Do you know? That I don't know. I mean, I haven't. I, I've no doubt there's been stories probably in Dublin or Waterford or Limerick on this as well. So I don't know. I need to ask the question: well, what what is the laws around this, or what are what are the local authority laws? And if something is highly important to the public and it's on private land, what's the story with it? So I don't. I don't have. Okay. I don't have okay. that information, PJ. Okay. So okay. I'll, I'll know more. Come back to me next Monday evening, and I'll know. I'll know more. I'll know more. Con- consider yourself booked for next Tuesday morning, Kieran. We'll, fi- we'll figure out what goes on. Uh, because yes, it's private land, but as Kieran is saying, the public thoroughfare is a, is threatened by this. If if that wall were to collapse completely, or if anything was to happen to the bridge, 
the public thoroughfare for which we all pay our taxes. Remember those things, taxes? We pay an awful lot of them. So it'd be interesting to know what role the council has here. So when that comes up next Monday night at the council meeting, we will hopefully follow it up on Tuesday morning when knowing an awful lot more at that point. Just on teenage discos, every year we seem to hear about some cancellation issue with a teenage disco. This in on the phone. I think there should be some licensing system before there's a tragedy from kids rushing to get transport home, a taxi or a bus when their parents have gone away and can't pick them up for whatever reason. There needs to be a local authority or state licensing system for teens because they're particularly vulnerable and emotional about events being cancelled and they're unable to transport manage transport themselves. If the state doesn't get involved, then maybe the GAA clubs and other venues could create a charter where everything has to be shipshape and tested, say, two hours before people arrive. Well, I think, and that all makes incredible sense, but I think the, the problem we seem to have had in Middleton on Friday night, and I'm only going by stuff I heard at the weekend, was the cancellation literally was made, the decision to cancel was made, people were actually starting to queue up to get in. It was at that point they decided to cancel. Uh, so like that's that that's kind of the point that they're making. You need some sort of a charter or a license or a guarantee system, uh, and that you'd guarantee you'd guarantee two hours before or three hours. But yes, and now I know what you mean that you'd have an absolute guarantee issued several hours before, maybe even the day before that it was going to happen, and that you'd have a check so that people wouldn't turn up. Good point. Good point. Thank you for that. 0818-969696. We're going to talk about food poverty and about some very uh, upsetting statistics from the St. Vincent de Paul in the last week or so that people are ringing them. They're getting 30 calls an hour from families. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul getting 30 calls an hour now for people looking for help. And we haven't even started to head into winter just yet. I did that list, though, of the most expensive things in your house. The iron. The iron is very expensive. You wouldn't think it, but it is. So ironing a few shorts and trousers uh, on a Sunday night, best to do it when the electricity is cheap. Or maybe go to work in a wrinkled shirt because it's the iron is very expensive. The dishwasher is expensive. I know at home we're devils for it. We use it twice a day. If we had to, your best probably to use the dishwasher only once a day, if even once in two days, if you can get away with it, because the dishwasher is very expensive. Anything that gets hot and gets hot fast is going to cost in terms of the lecky. A lot of people are saying it's the kettle is the most expensive appliance in the house. Every time you boil the kettle, it costs about 10 cents. Take a full kettle now, full kettle from cold to boil about 10 to 12 cents every time you boil it. So it is expensive, but it's not the most expensive. Not the most expensive. Um, it is pricey, though, and this idea that you boil the kettle less... Do you know the biggest habit we have? And I don't, I don't know if you have it, but certainly it happens in my house, and it shouldn't. You boil the kettle at half seven in the morning, and you make your coffee, right? And someone comes downstairs at 20 to 8... And they boil it again to make their coffee. It's still hot. It's still hot enough for coffee. So if you boil the kettle at, at half past seven, um, the kettle is still hot enough to make a cup of coffee with. 
possibly up as far as 8 o'clock, I would have said. Because if you have a coffee machine, well, the water comes out of the coffee machine a lot less hot than it comes out of the kettle. We drink that, we'd boil the kettle every time. But the kettle is quite expensive. From cold to boiled, the kettle is quite expensive. The tumble dryer. Yes, the tumble dryer is the second most expensive item in the house. Every time you use a tumble dryer, you're talking about over a euro for a tumble dryer every time that you use it. Uh, the immersion would be easily the most expensive. Easily the most expensive. You're, you're looking at over two euro, maybe 250 at current prices to heat a tank of water with the immersion. But look, people need it. People need to heat their water. They need it. Feed their children and do all sorts of things with that. And the electric shower is very expensive too. Your average electric shower of a morning, that would be the third most expensive. Your average electric shower, a 10-minute shower, you're now looking at a euro. The bones of a euro for a 10-minute shower of a morning. So, but that we'll, and we'll come back to that. That's a list that Bonkers compiled a few months ago on, on the cost of using electricity. And if you're trying to decide between heating and eating and energy and food, you could very quickly end up in food poverty and you could very quickly end up in fuel poverty. You've got to decide one or the other and fuel, pover- fuel poverty will lead to food poverty and I know they've been very busy in in recent days and weeks uh, down at Feed Cork and I think Sharon Mullins it's fair to say that with the winter coming um, it's only it's it's only our imagination what people are going to go through good morning Hi PJ how are you? Good Um, I actually think myself that you know for the people that will come to us like we're just happy to help them like the majority of people that we would help PJ are people who are in their homes and I suppose that food bank was set up to keep people in their homes, you know, because there's always been a level of food poverty for people who are in their homes, you know, but between bills and everything else. But I actually think now that this winter we will see a different clientele again. Because I suppose what I was thinking to myself, um, you know, the ECB rate gone up, like if you have a mortgage, yeah. you know, maybe you could manage that extra bit in your mortgage. But you're not going to be able to manage it if you have um, you have your fuel bills going up by about thirty percent. If you're driving a car with diesel, you know people who are working are really going to be affected by this. Um, and I actually think we haven't even hit it yet because we haven't got to our expenses bills yet. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I'm talking now. I think October, November, you have the expense of the kids going back to school, and then of course a lot of parents will be thinking, oh, um, Christmas. You know what I mean? We're four months away from it. So there'll be a lot, a lot of that, but I just think that the next couple of months is just going to be so hard for people. And like, just to give you an example, like last year, in the whole year, we would have registered 470 new clients in the 12 months. Right. This, this year, which is like eight months and up to the end of August, we had registered 709 new families. Whoa. Like we keep our stats. And, and I think it's good that we keep our stats because we can see the difference then, you know. Um, and the other thing is, like even the food bank, what we find, we have a coffee shop, it's a complimentary coffee shop, and people, a lot of people come in and just sit down for a chat. People, I, I actually think, actually, PJ, since COVID, people have been massively affected, you know, their mental health has been massively affected. There's also a group that will never come into us, and that's why we would work with a, a lot of the Desh schools, 
you know, we would give them a lot of dry produce um, so that they can kind of reach out to the families that they know need it, but won't ever come forward for it. And a lot of the reason would be, you know, they'd have so much going on. Um, You might only think about food on the day that you need it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the schools are doing phenomenal work as well. And, uh, you know, I think when you're becoming a school teacher, this isn't part of your remit. There's no training for this. No. And we see, you know, they're, they're... amazing like a lot of the teachers are so good to reach out to the families you mentioned your little coffee shop in there mm. even the energy bill for that Sharon must yeah. have gone through the roof already yeah you, you know something new PJ I, I, I haven't even asked about it because I'm kind of thinking to myself I'm like I'm not going to even ask um, I mean it takes us 400 man hours and 35 about 35 volunteers for us to open for four hours on and um, between, we say we open Wednesday and Thursday between um, half ten and half twelve. It takes that much for us to do it properly, you know, to have the food collected in a in a chill van, to have other food collected, um, you know, or the, the various setups, because we actually have set it up like a food hall, so that's because we're really conscious of people coming in with their kids as well, that at least if they come in, it looks like they're coming in, they're sitting down, they're having a cup of tea or coffee, there's always a lovely buzz around us, and then they go in and they choose their shopping. But the only thing we ask people to do is bring their own bags. Um, yeah. Because, you know, that's our, little, that's our little bit back to the environment instead of us producing lots of, you know, yeah. supplying lots of plastic bags. So you it's had, you've been set up like a food court or like a, like yeah, a, like a, a food, food supermarket, hall. right? Yeah. Okay. It's set up like a food hall. It's absolutely, you know, it's beautiful even to come into it. Um, and there's such a welcoming atmosphere inside there. You know, we have the most amazing clients and the most amazing volunteers because without them, it wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? And and another thing, now that we, well, we started doing this um, a good couple of months ago, we reached out to a particular um, homeschool liaison and we asked her if she felt that, you know, there might be a need at the weekend. For, for some families, you know, that we could provide, we yeah. say, a hot meal um, for Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday, and maybe just provide things like cereals and stuff. But because for whatever reason, you could have, you know, um, a parent who's unwell or, you know, just not in that headspace and just to take a bit of pressure off them for the weekend. So we have, we've been running that now for the last couple of months. Um, you know, we do want to expand that, but it's just the cost of that at the minute. You know, we, we're just trying to fund it. Like Brook Foods, um, who have a lot of the kitchens, like we say, in the County Hall, Parky Creeves, and the City Hall, they have been super. They're, pro- they're providing us with the hot meals. Yes. And we, we, we will do this for 52 weeks of the year. We, you know what I mean? We're, we're not going to stop because kids are on holidays and sure, stuff, you know? Sure, sure. We, we have a team that are going to run that, and it's, it's, it's running quite well at the minute. But for the, for the price of a couple of cups of coffee, you could look after a child for the weekend. And listen, you know, we're all guilty of popping into Centra or wherever. And, you know, you'd spend a tenner without thinking about it. You know, you would, well. You sure would. You sure would. Sharon, the the times, just one more time for the, the, the when you're The times are, are Wednesday between half ten and half twelve. Okay. And on Thursday between half ten and half twelve. Everybody's welcome. You know, we... Uh, initially, we did set it up like appointment only. We did that through COVID and stuff. But I mean, we're at the stage you now that like we're not going to turn anybody away because you know, as um as a parent or you know, yourself, you know, you wake up some morning and it's like sure you you're not even thinking straight for whatever reason. 
So, like, if you're in need, just come to us and we will look after you. Very we good. won't turn anybody away. Very good. Sharon, thank you. Sharon Mullins at Feed Cork down there. Cork Church in behind Connolly Hall is where you'll find it. 0818 96 96 96. Even running their free coffee shop in there now. Uh, that's costing a fortune of money. I was talking, I was at a, an event on Friday at lunchtime and there was quite a number of business people, business leaders at it. And the, the words are stark with regard to energy. Uh, I, I won't tell you who said it to me just yet. Uh, we may hear the words spoken on air uh, before the week is out. But a very prominent business person in the city said to me Friday, this will shut doors. This will close businesses. This cost of electricity will close businesses. Cost of gas will close businesses. Cost of refrigeration will close businesses. Actually, the cost of cold storage for food in warehouses has gone through the roof. 0818969696. That disco, it says here, was cancelled at 7.10pm via email and they've sent us a screenshot. We live half an hour from Middleton, so very, very last minute. On the most expensive stuff in your house, the kettle, in terms of the using it many, many times a day, you certainly could run up quite a bill on the kettle. The, the immersion's the most expensive. The tumble dryer is the second most expensive. And of course, as you come into the winter, you'll be using the tumble dryer more and more. The electric shower pricey, the dishwasher very pricey and the iron so the top five users of electricity in your house immersion, tumbledore, electric shower, dishwasher iron, every time you boil a kettle from scratch now boil a full kettle from cold you're talking 10 to 12 cent every time you do it the fridge has to be on around the clock that's a consumer of energy, your television You know those standby mode that you leave your television in? That's quite a sizable consumer of electricity over time. You're probably best advised to just go to the wall and flick the switch and turn it off. Don't be leaving it in standby. The cheapest thing in your house, actually, wouldn't you know it? The cheapest thing is the the Wi-Fi router. Costs virtually nothing to keep that going around the clock. Until you get the phone bill. 0818 96 96 96. Stream the freshest hits of 2022 on the Hit Mix. Let's go! Or find the biggest workout bangers on the Fit Mix. The Cork's 96 FM Hit Mix and Fit Mix are streaming live right now. Streaming live right now. Download the Cork's 96FM app. Listen on your smart speaker. Or go to 96FM.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, my daughter was due to go to that disco. It was due to start at 8. They cancelled at 7. So we were lucky we hadn't left the house. I wrote to Brock, the promoters. They claim it was something to do with one of the contractors and it was a situation out of their control. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. You heard from Sharon at Feed Cork that the numbers of people they're helping this year vastly, vastly increased on last year. The number of new families they're seeing. And I know the situation is similar 
at St Vincent de Paul. Paddy O'Flynn is the regional president here, seeing a huge upsurge in people coming forward, Paddy, uh, looking for help even before winter starts. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Very well done. Um, PJ, you're right. The, uh, um, all this started during the summer as grocery prices began to increase, but also as the first rounds of of inflation happened in gas and energy prices. So we began to see that. At the beginning of the summer, we also had a bit of a, a, a surge in demand for our help from the Ukrainians, but we, we gave them in some immediate help on their arrival. All of that now, thanks to God, has subsided and they settled down. But the whole increase in demand and applications for help has increased hugely across the summer, starting in late June. I've been in this position for nearly three years. I've never seen anything like it. I hate to use the word perfect storm because it's an, old, it's, it's an overused cliche, but mm. wherever you look, there are problems and demands um, which have far outstripped anything I've seen in three years. From energy poverty to education, which I can come back to, to yeah. food poverty, um, everywhere you look. And the difficulty we have is that uh, I think a lot of the increases that people have been talking about and read in the, in the media haven't actually kicked in yet, believe it or yeah. not. Yeah. And they're going to kick in September, October, and therefore, I think this whole situation is going to become more and more acute as we head off into into Christmas. And leaving Christmas aside for a second, we, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But yes, I concur with what you've been saying in the program earlier on. That, that's a broad overview from my perspective, and I've been around for a while. Yeah. I was only looking at my own uh, gas bills, Paddy, the, 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 the summer, summer on summer, if you like. So I went through to last summer, and the summer gas bill would be the smallest bill of the year. And last year, my summer gas bill was only about 50 quid. Uh, and I, admittedly, that would include the time that we're on holidays, but we use very little gas for anything other than cooking. So 50 quid for the summer. This year, it was closer to 80 for the same level of usage. So, yeah, look, you yeah, know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's where you're going. I like. agree, I agree. Like, I mean, a lady told me the other day, look, they were talking about helping people with food vouchers, which is one of the things we do, as well as food hampers, which we, we, we do. And she said to me, look, Paddy, I'm paying three fifty almost for a pound of butter. I paid two euro ten cents for it uh, late last year. Yes. That kind of thing. Um, we are now beginning to budget. We we deliver coal. We start in depending on weather conditions, but like we we will kick in October, maybe in every November. But already, people are, are ringing up our office, putting down orders, expecting it to get coal now. And of course, that's a symptom of fear. They want to stockpile. So we've done our budgeting, and uh, two years ago, the, the bag of ordinary coal was about 17 or 18 euro. It was 22 last year. Best quotes we're getting this year, 35 euro a bag. Yeah. Um, similarly, we help some people sometimes with heating oil. Myself, I'm a, I use heating oil. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was paying between 57 and 64 cents a litre. Got a quotation on Friday in preparation for this program, and it's 135, 135 cents a litre. I mean, the people we are helping, we have been helping certain cohorts of people all our lives, but now we are helping 
newer people who are what we call, I hate to use the word, working poor, they're in low-paid employment, they're now coming to us for help. These people have no savings. They have no buffer. I have no idea how we're going to help them. Obviously, we're hoping that the budget will have some sort of magic wand in its long-promised cost-of-living package, uh, which Michal was talking about a lot last week. But, um, yes, we're we're facing a a, a very difficult prospect. And um, before you ask, our own resources are reasonably good. But at the same time, our church gate, which was a mainstay in the past, has has recovered somewhat, but will never recover to where it was two years ago. Fortunately, our distance charity shops are doing quite well. Good. But there's no doubt that we will be out of our begging bowl and talking to the, through yourself, of course, as well, talking to the very generous people in Cork, uh, looking for help as we go go forward into our appeal season and so on. So, like, we're talking about uh, people we help, but at the same time, there are people out there who are pretty well off and we'll be appealing to these people to be uh, generous again. Yeah, uh, they all know how to get to us with www.svp.ie and away they yeah. go. So look, that's a broad brush, PJ. Is yeah. there anything you, else? You, you, I know that three weeks tomorrow is budget day. They brought <laughs> it forward by by a week or two. Uh, three yeah. weeks tomorrow, budget day. Has SVP as an entity made a pre-budget submission, Paddy? And if so, what's in it? We make we make a pre-budget submission every year, and it's very well respected by. Um, by the politicians, we, 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 we present about a 20-page document every year to the government of, of the day in Boswell's Hotel. We are looking for, um, we're looking for a huge improvement in, in the back-to-school allowance. This year it went up for €100, Euro, which we respect, but there is no way it will cover anything like what we, what, what, what we require. We want to expand the free school book scheme for students. I'm reading out bits of this year randomly. Sure. We want um, we want a restoration and implementation of all school costs to where they were before 2017 when they were cut back. We want to increasing support for children experiencing educational disadvantage in the non-guest schools, uh, and a whole lot of stuff. We're also appealing for the government to do something about education costs per se, registration fees, major issue at the moment with school transport. Yes. Um, because the energy inflation is knocking on into the transport costs. So we have a whole range of stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, which Fortunately, we, there is a hope that some of them will be delivered. Uh, there's a huge piece this morning in the Cork Media, the Irish Examiner, which outlines what might be in the budget under Simon Harris's proposals, yes, which, which I see incorporate quite a number of our society's recommendations, which we did last last June. So yes, we have a huge involvement through our social justice department with with with, with the government at, right. at several ministerial levels. Okay. Yeah. We'll see where it goes over the next couple of weeks and what happens when the budget comes on the 27th of September. Paddy O'Flynn, Regional President for South West Cork and Kerry District of St. Vincent de Paul. Thank you. I am a pensioner. I've switched my electricity and gas providers and set up direct debits to come out of my current account. The deal is fixed for a year, but the amounts can fluctuate as the providers increase their rates I have enough in my current account to cover my bills with some left over in the event of something happening that my washing machine breaks down or something. My biggest fear now is that I have no control 
over the amount's been taken out and I'll have nothing left. I've already cut off my broadband to cut back on expenses. It's a massive worry. Please don't give out my name. My electricity bill this morning came from Bordgash for two months. It was €198.55. I live alone and just use the usual things. I don't hoover. I don't wash every day. All the charges on the bill alone cost €80. My bill before will be well under 100 I don't know what to do. Yeah, this standing charge is it's sitting there doing, you know, you just, if you do nothing, nothing. If you turned everything off and, and sat in the dark, you'd still have a standing charge. Uh, and they tell you we needed to maintain the system. But that's, that's, that's scary. So this time last year, you're saying it would have been well under 100 euro. But now this time, this year, this a year on it's 198 euro and 55 cents and that's the thing with direct debit you do get a better deal with direct debit that's true you get a slightly better deal but they take everything every month so you don't you can't do what you used to do if you get a ESP bill for 200 quid you give them 100 and you give them the rest when you have it if you go for direct debit you can't do that anymore they take the whole lot Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 96996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996996
most expensive thing in your house is the tumble dryer. And the most expensive thing per use is the immersion. People were all saying the kettle. The, yeah, if you leave the kettle on all day and all night, it gets very expensive. But you can use the kettle more sensibly. Someone was sending me a picture of a thing that they bought. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, uh, I have the solution to your coffee or tea dilemma. Uh, Breville said this caller do a, a hot cup, hot water dispenser. It dispenses 250 mils of boiling water quicker than a kettle. Enjoy your drinks in an instant. It takes only about 20 seconds and is very energy efficient. You get the Renargus. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. I think your sort of coffee machine does something similar. Although it's not quite boiling water, but I get your point. 0818 96 96 96. It's something we'll come back to the cost of living because it's only going to go up. That is the sad part. Did you ever hurt your rotator cuff? I think if you did, you'd probably know you had. Um, The rotator cuff is a part of our body that sort of sits there working away all day, every day, day and night of our life. Our rotator cuff does its job without much difficulty. But when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Uh, Last month, I was talking to Catherine Fahey. Uh, She won the Irish, she was the third female uh, to come home in the Ironman and first in in her group, in the rage group, Catherine Fahey. She is a physio, chartered physiotherapist, and we want to talk to her a little bit about the rotator cuff because it, it's that part of your body, Catherine, and one of them anyway. You, you don't really notice what's going on with it until it isn't working. Good morning. Good morning, BJ. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, most certainly the rotator cuff muscle. I'm currently doing my PhD in looking at kind of our rotator cuff tendon tears. And remember, a rotator cuff is is a muscle at the shoulder. And there's four muscles there. And as you said, people that are listening that have had a rotator cuff tear will certainly know about the, the inability to do daily tasks, you know, picking up a kettle, as you talked about there a second ago. Um, so it's a really, really important muscle mm. that unfortunately, as we get older, it can get a little bit weaker. Mm. Um, and you see a lot of drive now towards, you know, getting older people exercising, doing some strength training. And the reason for that is we are an aging population. And unfortunately, clinically now, we are seeing a lot more of these tendon tears presenting. Yeah. Um, you talk about cost effectiveness there. People's first reaction is often, you know, oh, I need to get an MRI on this. But Again, it's a normal aging process, getting assessed first by your chartered physiotherapist in your area and then, you know, having a plan to try and kind of rebuild the shoulder area and and strengthen it. And that's something that we're looking at, trying to look at the effectiveness of exercise on this pain and disability rather than going down a surgical route. If If you think about the number of times in just a single hour you use your shoulder like here's something I just reach out across the desk now to to just make a tiny alteration Mm. to a volume control I've used my rotator cuff to do that every time you move your shoulder so if it goes wrong at all it can be very sore and it's very debilitating PJ that and that's you know often patients come into the clinic um, and you know they can't brush their hair they can't wash their hair you know they can't females can't tie their bra 
They can't, you know, reach into their back pocket. So many functional things that as soon as the rotator cuff gets damaged in any way or even just weakens because we're not exercising enough. And as you said there, the big thing there is the rotation as you turn that volume. You know, if you think about in the garden, you know, you're gardening, you're rotating your shoulder, you're moving it, driving, like functionally, it's such an important muscle Mm. that it's really important to maintain the strength around it. And look, we're doing loads of research to try and essentially ensure that you don't fall into this bracket where you present with this cough injury. Neve Brady there in UCC is looking at how to use virtual reality in the management of shoulder pain and, you know, using things like the Wii, um, you know, absolutely brilliant. And really? I'm doing some... The Wii game console. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so looking at virtual and like, you know, slashing balloons to try and burst the balloons and think about all the shoulder, you know, activity that you're doing there. And look, there's so many simple things that you can do at home by even just having a small little bottle of water, you know, lifting that and... You know, it's really, really, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to maintain the strength around your shoulders. We go out for a walk, we maintain our strength in our legs, we do sit to stands, we do all, but the shoulder, it's so important. I'd often ask patients when they come in, when last did they get down to the ground and get themselves back up? And again, it's using that upper body strength, which will be vital in maintaining the integrity of the actual muscle around the shoulder. Yeah. So are there simple exercises that we can do? I've, I've seen like people with tins, a tin of beans in each, in each hand, just raising them up and down 10 or 20 times. Is it as simple as that? It's as simple as that, PJ. You know what? We talk about what can we fit into our daily lives. We're waiting for the kettle to boil. It will take 90 seconds, two minutes. You could lift two tins of beans in front of you up and down 10 times while you're doing that. It's not just about doing it once. It's about can you do that consistently every day to maintain that. But like as I said to you, you know, doing a little press up hold against the counter, you know, having some weight transfer through the joint is really, really important and that's what we're trying to develop. We have a great team in UL with Karen McCreesh, Jeremy Lewis, who's a renowned shoulder specialist, and Rose Galvin. And we're trying to come up with a, an exercise program that will be similar to that, very functional, you know, just reaching up to, you know, get a cup out of the top shelf. Like, they're all the functional activities that we want our 80-year-old, 90-year-old mother or father or grandparent to be able to continue to do so that they can live independently at home. Mm. We're trying to come away from more of a surgical intervention. And that's where the idea came for me was I was seeing a lot of people post surgery in the, in the clinic. And I was kind of wondering, well, why are we getting to this stage that these tendons have become weak and need to be repaired or they've torn? How can we maintain strength so that we don't have to go down that surgical route with all the, you know, the risks associated, yeah. the cost associated, but also, you know, as we get older, those risks become higher and higher. And often some of those patients aren't even um, suitable for a surgical intervention. So yeah. that's where my thought process came from. I was very lucky to get a, an Irish Research Council postgraduate scholarship to be able to investigate and, and pursue this research. So yeah. I've been very fortunate to try and get something back that can be really, really important and clinical for our GPs, for our physios and, and the surgeons are involved as well, which is which is excellent. 
How would you know if you had done some harm to the rotator cuff or, in, or if it was just wear and tear? Yeah, so that's the biggest difference, to be honest with you, that you need to be very clear. Um, if you suffer a fall or, you know, an incident, an acute episode where you feel kind of excruciating pain immediately from, from your shoulder, obviously you need to go and get that checked straight away via either through your A&E or your local GP or your local physiotherapist. Um, because if you have an acute tear, which is a tear because of, you know, too much load through the, the muscle or tendon at one time, that's something that possibly needs to be repaired, especially if you're young, you're fit, you're active, you're healthy. The opposite of that is that somebody starts presenting with kind of weakness around the shoulder, discomfort, especially at night time, you know, mm. so they're rolling onto it and it's waking them. Like the first thing I would say to you is obviously, you know, GP is something we tend to go to kind of straight away. But, you know, there are plenty of chartered physios in the area that would have a good, you know, anatomical understanding of the shoulder, be able to assess the, the cuff, the integrity of the cuff, and then put in place a plan. Majority of the time it would be some sort of exercise intervention. But we're moving more to functional stuff, as I said to you there been able to tolerate load, just been able to put your weight through your upper limb, mm. lifting your kettle, lifting your cup um, and strengthening, you know, those four rotator cuff muscles. But there's about 36 other muscles that can do the job there as well. So if you've got a small tear in one of them, that doesn't mean that that needs to be repaired. And, mm. you know, I, I can't function anymore. There's loads of other muscles there. So that's really important. And the biggest thing I'd often say to people is that they'll come in and they'll tell me, well, John down the road had this tear and he had to have this done. And yeah. I've been very fortunate to, to watch some surgeries with um, Ruth Delaney in, in Dublin, who's probably one of our best shoulder surgeons in the country. Every single tear is completely different. Yeah. It, does it happen in the shoulder? Because I know it happens in other parts of, of, of the body, Catherine. If you have a, a small tear in one of those many, many muscles, do the others clench to protect it? And is that what causes you pain? Yeah, most definitely at the very early phase, you're going to have a little bit of kind of muscle spasm around the area, especially the muscle around our neck. So often people start to get a little bit of neck discomfort as well because that muscle becomes quite tight because it's doing a job for the muscle that has the small tear. But again, by kind of having your clinical assessment, identifying the muscles that are overworking, trying to facilitate the muscle that has a small tear to start working again, that's the whole reason why being able to kind of get to somebody with a good clinical knowledge, start that process, offsets any of the secondary issues that I have often seen. And, and COVID was a big issue. You know, I saw somebody who had like six months prior to their first assessment had injured their, their rotator cuff. And you've got to remember the, the so many other secondary issues you're going to have presenting at that point. Mm. So the, the one thing I would say is that, you know, if it's not right, get it checked because the sooner that you get it checked, the less chance you have, as you said there, all the other muscles becoming tight in spasm, you know, overworking. Um, so that, that would be really important just to kind of get it checked straight away. Okay. All right, Catherine, thank you very much for being with us today. That's Catherine Fahey. She's a chartered physiotherapist, a particular specialty in shoulder pain and rotator cuff. But the simple thing you can do for yourself this tin of beans exercise. I didn't realise how important it was until I had to do it myself 
a few years ago. I didn't actually do any harm to the rotator cuff. It was just a bit swollen uh, on one particular side and it was bloody painful. But I had to do that tin of beans exercise a couple of times a day. It was so hard to do, but it worked. It worked. 0818-969696. On, again, people still texting and messaging about the cost of living. CB on Twitter, crying at the bit you read out about no fill of oil, fuel allowance only covering coal and some blocks, and no room for anything to break and to need replacements or repairs. Been there, done that, wore out the T-shirt. So many people won't manage this winter. Then Jackie says, it's my oven that takes the most electricity. It's old, so maybe that's why when I use it, the meter on the wall just goes bananas. Oh yeah, cooking. Cooking with electric is is expensive. They did, on that survey, they did those hobs, you know, those electric hobs. And that's quite expensive. It depends on the time that you're using it. But rough, a half an hour of cooking, you're probably talking about 55, 60 cents on, on a per, per use of the hob. You're, you're probably do, doing a dinner, you're probably talking about a, a few euros, a couple of euros to cook the dinner between all the various pots you'll be using. And the ovens would be the same. Oven would be just the same. Probably even more. 0818 96, 96, 96. Then you have to eat, don't you? And if you're going to eat, you have to cook. And this is why people are stuck because you can't cut back on heating or eating. Can you? You can't cut back. You have to eat. You have to cook to eat. So I just like I said, I've I've never met so many people so scared about what was coming up in terms of energy bills. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696 on Corks 96 FM. There's some wonderful news from a man we were talking to on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Cork City War of Independence tour. It's a taxi tour. And we spoke to Sean, the guy who's doing it, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. He was just launching it. And great to know that he has now been board faulty approved and is officially listed on discoverireland.ie in the space of that few weeks. That's fantastic to hear. And in fact, Sean, I never acknowledged it, Sean. Uh, Sean sent me a thank you card for the interview, uh, which was greatly appreciated. We don't get too many of those. And thank you very much for that. Great to see that happening. Uh, a business just set up through love of history. And, and speaking of love of history... Um, I spent a lot of time over the weekend on Spike Island. I was delighted to be part of the Spike Island Literary Festival and I was there Friday evening for an event and again yesterday. And yesterday I had a bit of time to wander around, just wander around, literally. You could spend hours and hours and hours wandering around. You can take an organised tour that they do down there through the tunnels and through the old parts of the, the prison and the history and the fantastic displays that they've done. But I must tell you, if you don't know it already, get over there and have a look because Spike Island is a global, I mean global, 
world-class attraction right there in our harbour. It is breathtaking what they have done. And it reminds me to wish best of luck, and there was a lot of this over the weekend, uh, at the festival, best of luck to John Crotty, uh, who was the general manager down at Spike, who has moved on. Opening the festival, in fact, was his last duty as, as the boss down there. He has moved on to join City Council where he starts on Tuesday so everyone down there sad to see John John go uh, because of the fantastic work that he has done but good luck for his next chapter and if you if you want to spend a Sunday a few hours of a Saturday or Sunday just wondering at history take a wander over to uh, Spike Island and have a look and ring up Sean and take a trip around in his taxi on the Cork City War of Independence tour. Thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. Now, one way you could lower your electricity bills is through solar. So You drive around now, you'll see so many solar panels and PV panels going up on so many houses. And, and they will reduce your energy bills, but they are quite costly to put in place. Here's a man who, and we've spoke to him before, Owen and Monica have built their house, built it from a, if you like, a flat pack, uh, but it's completely passive and completely energy self-sufficient and a lot of solar involved. Owen Kelly, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. And over the weekend, I was discussing this with people about, you know, putting up solar panels to keep down the cost of electricity. But it's a very expensive process to do that. Or am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Um, so, like, solar does have um, a cost, right? And like everything, is, as time goes on, the technology gets cheaper and better. But it's still... It's still expensive and, you know, um, for people facing into to winter, I don't want to sound sanctimonious or smoke kind of going, hey, all you need to do is spend 10 grand on solar panels and fix your problems. Um, that's not the answer for everybody. But if you spend 10K on a car, um, it's it's pretty much gone straight away and the car devalues, right? Um, if you spend 10K on a solar system, that money isn't gone. It immediately starts paying itself back. And, you know, for some systems, it's paid back in kind of five or six years. And then after you get past the break back point where it's paid you back what you've already spent in it in terms of savings on your bills, it just keeps making money then for at least the next two decades afterwards. So, yeah, it's it's expensive to install, um, but you can be smart about it. You can start with a small system, get a grant for it, and then you can add more panels later and add a battery later. Mm. So you don't have to go out and, and, you know, win the lottery on day one to put in the world's biggest system. You can you can start small and build up if you need to as well. Now, I know you have mains coming into the house, but but, but the way you operate the, the solar, you, you just go through what you can do with, with a, a solar system like you've impl- you, you uh, installed. Um, well, you're right. There's, there's still mains coming in because there's obviously going to be storms like last night and, yeah. and, and bad winter days and things like that, right? Um, so what it does is it generates, the panels on the roof generate electricity and usually they generate more electricity than your house can use. Um, but of course, when you want to use the electricity is usually when there's not a lot of sunshine. So that's like in the evening time or night time when people are taking showers. Um, so the way our system works is all of that excess energy that's being generated in the day rather than sending it back. To- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. To the grid. Um, we dump it into two things. We dump it into a battery um, so we can store it. And then at nighttime when the sun goes down, the battery ramps up and takes over and starts powering the house. Um, the other thing it does is it takes the um, the energy um, that is also left over from not charging the battery and puts it into hot water for free. Now, what we can do then as well, some days, if we know, let's say, the weather's going to be really, really bad in a day or two um, and we're not going to get much sunshine, instead of, you know, using the solar panels and getting very little out of them, what we can do then instead is we can charge up the house battery overnight on cheap nighttime electricity. Ah. Um, and that way then when we get up, um, you're running the house then on, um, let's say, electricity that costs you eight cents at night instead of electricity that's 24 cents during the day. Right. Right. So, um, and so how that, long does the battery hold out for then? What will the battery run? I mean, will the battery run, I know this is probably an extreme example, will the battery run a dishwasher? And just about, yeah, yeah. Um, so the battery will run most of your house when your house is what we call it idle. So you've lights on, internet on, um, your fridge running, your TV on, and stuff like that. The battery is more than capable of all of that. Um, and you know, most appliances built in the last kind of five or ten years are fairly efficient now these days. So um, you'd be able to power something like a dishwasher. Now, how long the battery lasts is is like, you know, how big is the battery in your electric yeah. car? Um, the bigger the battery, the longer it'll last. But most batteries now that are going into houses are are about, um, and the technical uh, measurement for it is five kilowatts. And that would run, um, if you had a dishwasher or an oven, something going, it would run them for about two hours flat out. If you were just, you know, watching TV and having your fridge and things running and your lights on at night time, you'd probably get four or five hours out of it. Right, right. So, and the, the, the battery is the expensive part, though, isn't it? Other than the panels, the battery is quite expensive. 
Yeah, um, both 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 would be, um, and the price is coming down. So um, batteries have come down in in a big way, and they continue to come down. The only problem now at the moment is, like everything, you can't get them. Um, you know, suppliers are coming out and fitting panels and saying we'll be back in three months' time to fit a battery when we have one. Um, but the price of everything is starting to to come back down again, which is really good. Um, mm. You know, we're we're seeing. Um, I got a system for a family member there recently, like in the last two weeks, and and their system versus mine they're getting almost twice the number of panels uh, for the same price I would have paid for mine two years ago Crikey yeah yeah and yeah so it's good you know yeah so you'd recommend I think it's good um, like you know last week um, was not a bad week weather wise there was yeah. one or two bad days in there and we only used 5% of the electricity from the grid last week right Right. Do you need um, do no. you need bright sunshine on, or does it work from ordinary daylight? Um, it works from daylight. Um, like if I look at today, um, and I just get the numbers there. Um, so our house is using about five hundred watts now, um, which is okay. That's a couple of us working from home now, and the fridge is on, and we've a ventilation system going, and a few other things. But the panels, even on an overcast day today, are generating twice that. Wow. Now, that'll get a bit worse for winter, but you, what usually happens in the winter is that there's usually still enough during the day to, to, to run the house. Um, you wouldn't be generating more than you need and putting it into the battery, yeah. but it would still be contributing. I see, I see. And then you're using nighttime electricity from the from the mains, and that, that's the important part. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not bad. And I mean, you know, I think, you know, our system should hopefully be paid off in another three years. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's the thing about PV panels, as you said, you know, people are talking more and more about them now. And if you talk to people about them five years ago, like everybody kind of said, oh, they'll never work. Um, and now people are starting to realize, yeah, they're actually not a bad option. And no, again, I know they're expensive and that's the hardest part really is, is coming up with the money to put them in. But I think they're the only investment that pays you back and continues to pay you. Um, like it's it's easy money. And now, of course, all the electricity companies now are starting to pay money for the power you send back to the grid as well. So if you don't have a battery and you don't want to put in a battery at the start because you don't have the money for it and you just want to put in the panels, um, yeah. any power you make that you don't use, you get paid for. Yeah. Just one question. If you don't have a battery from day one, you could have a problem adding on with an inverter. Would that be the case? Uh, kind of. Um, so the, the most important word to take away from this is a word called hybrid. Um, so if you fit a hybrid inverter rather than just a normal inverter, um, a hybrid inverter allows you to put batteries in later. Um, so that would be my recommendation is that you just put in the hybrid ba- inverter day one. It's only a couple of quid more. And I mean, literally, it's a difference of hundreds, not thousands. Okay. And then that sets you up later to put the batteries in. All right. Listen, Owen, thanks very much. And people can follow his pictures and everything to do with his house on Owen Kelly base on Instagram he's got marvellous marvellous uh, house they've developed out there in, in Dunamore uh, now Nick you have a smart meter and you managed to do something with it good morning well hey PJ how are you doing oh yeah what what happened you've got a smart meter yeah smart meter was put in a few months ago and then with my provider you can choose your plan and I get feedback on Saturday. Oh, God. Well, whatever you put in, that, that mobile phone signal is... You, you, you got it. Hang on, let, let me move in the house. Hold sure. On. Yeah, so you you put the smart meter in and then you signed up to a particular plan. That's right. Is that better? Signal? That's a bit better. We'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, you can choose what you want. 
So I chose a Saturday, and right. I get free power. So all the cooking for the week, most of the cooking for the week gets done, all the laundry, vacuuming, tumble dryer, the whole lot. Right. I reckon it probably saves me 25 to 30% on my bill. Okay. So you can choose a day of the week where your electric or, is Or you can choose a time of the day. Like you can have um, between 1 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning or reduced rates in the morning or reduced rates in the afternoon every day of the week. Right. Okay. But my particular plan is free on Saturday. I see. And st- standard rates the rest of the week. Right. And you get stuff done then heavy-duty stuff like laundry and stuff done on Saturday, which is a pretty good idea. And you were also yeah. saying, I think, that you can get a monthly bill instead of getting a shock every couple of months. That's right. If you want a monthly, you can choose. If you want the bill monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly. You can do that. So the, 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 the monthly bill is a big help as well. All right. Nick, thank you very much. So Nick has a smart meter and was able to choose to get free lecky on a Saturday. So he does a pile of stuff on Saturday. Before him, Owen, who reckons yes, Owen Kelly, yes, uh, to put in a solar system will cost you initially. But they're only in the house two years and he reckons that they'll have the cost of all the solar system paid off in three 0818969696 on rotator cuff Mags says himself has it he reckons it's the worst pain ever we've had a long email from Morris with some tips we can all use to save energy prices we'll look at that uh, tomorrow uh, Kirkig Abu on Twitter says the government can curb this if they want to but they won't because of how much tax and VAT it gets from the higher prices now they're getting a €6,500 pay rise, the politicians are, so it really isn't going to affect them. France capped energy prices at 4% and are restarting power plants. Yeah, there is that. Uh, it's probably cheaper to eat out at this stage than cook at home. Um, there's a scary winter in front of us all that comes in. <laughs> I, I don't think so, because once the restaurants start putting the price of cooking at higher energy rates onto the bills, the price of going out to eat is going to go up as well unfortunately 0818 96 96 96 on litter and that story in the news about our littered beaches I'm disgusted but not surprised to be honest Uh, regarding the rubbish, the local community group Kindred Spirits Community in Middleton put up bins in Middleton and the surrounding area, they couldn't get insurance for the bins and now they've been removed and there's litter on the increase. You see, that's the kind of thing that is so Irish it makes me want to bang my head off the table. A group gets together and puts in bins to help with local litter. You can't take them, you've been short. No insurance for the bins, so they had to take I mean, give me a break, Lag Lads. Come on, please. 0818 96 96 96. Book in front of me called The Wilderness. Written by Steve McCarthy. And Steve, a beautiful book. Tell me about it. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Good to have um, you. Tell me about the wilderness. I'm delighted you have it in front of you. Yeah. Uh, Got the, uh, it's, uh, it's a, I mean, it's an adventure book. A bit of a throwback. It's, uh, it's got a lot of um, Irish autumnal themes in it. Yeah. And it's... You, 
part of it, chosen now for the Children's Books Ireland International Conference, which is a big achievement. Yeah, I'm really excited to be attending it. I, I used to go years ago, and it's it's a really incredible experience, especially for people who are enthusiastic about children's writing. Yeah. Writing for children's different, isn't it, Steve? You have to think like a child to write for them. That's quite easy for me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Go on, tell I don't me think I ever, ever, I don't think I ever lost that perspective. So, uh, whether or not that's a benefit or a hindrance, it works quite well for making children's books. You'll be speaking at an event at that conference. Tell me about the book, though. It's about a family of adventurers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for the uh, for one of them who's not very adventurous. That's uh, October Vasilenko. And uh, he, the rest of his family are very sort of out in the wild and like getting mixed up in the muck and, you know, nature and stuff. But he's, he's not very like that. Yeah. It's his biggest fear. He stands there going, no, I can't be doing this. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would have been similar when I was younger. But uh, it's it's about learning to be a bit braver outside in the wild. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like it. His family are mad into it, and he has to learn to like it. Yeah, I got a lot of the inspiration being around um, uh, Kerry and West Cork, and I spent some time in Cahir Daniel, and uh-huh. uh, I was I was very impressed with the landscape. And you know, I, if I I didn't really get exposed to enough of that when I was very young, and I think I would have found it magic. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're all being told, well, those of us who still have young children, being told to bring them out more, get them out into nature, encourage them to go out and walk in in all weathers and all conditions. Yeah, when I was was younger, my grandmother would take us out on nature walks and her ability to pick a leaf off a tree and name it and name its, you know, its genus and everything, it just seemed like a, you know, a, a, a mystical magic trick to me. Yeah. So talk to me about this festival. It's a biggie. It is, yeah, and it's been away for a few years, so it's a bit of a homecoming. And uh, it, they're going with the theme of All the Way Home and bringing back a lot of authors and writers to speak about their work that they've been, been toiling away on during lockdown. Um, and they've got people like uh, Owen Colfer and Paddy Donnelly, who's an incredibly talented illustrator, and uh, um, many, many other authors and illustrators together. Mm. When and where is it on? It's uh, Saturday the 24th of this month and and Sunday the 25th um, and it's in the Lighthouse Cinema in Smithfield, Dublin. Okay, okay. and tickets are available? Yeah, from childrensbooksireland.ie mm. Okay. And Steve, writing for children lastly, um, is there enough of it out there? Do, do, have we forgotten about children uh, and the importance of getting children to love books and to give them appropriate books for their age. I think as fast as we're making children, we should be making stories for them to read. You know, they should be updated and, you know, and the, the stories retold for each generation of kids that come up, you know, because they're, they're, they're desperate for more stories. You know yourself when you're that age, you just kind of, you want to know everything about the world, but also the weird magical parts in between. Because mm. I was at a book festival over the weekend here in Cork and people were talking about the fact that in, in this world of a thousand screens and streaming and every mm. kind of electronic gadget that's out there, the joy of a book, still, it's, there's, there's nothing to match it. But people were saying they're worried that children now are not reading ordinary books. They're, not, they're, they're going for screens, they're going for television, they want everything electronic. 
but the pleasure of a well, book. I think the, 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 the kids that I've interacted with now, they're a little less uh, impressed by screens and you know, TVs and things like that. They're still very entertaining, but you put something really original in front of them, something really exciting or interesting or magical, and you can see on their faces, they know a good quality story when they see one. Yeah. yeah they're more inclined to take a book. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they, know, they know what they like. That's the thing. If you put, you know, there's thousands of books released every single day, but a kid knows a good one when they see one. Yeah. And what's it about? Is it about, is it about the colour? Is it about what makes it attractive to them? I, I think there's an expectation for there to be, you know, mythical creatures and magic out in the world. And, you know, they're desperate for knowledge and understanding of things that don't make any sense. So children's books give kids a chance to kind of understand the un- understandable that's out there. Gotcha. Steve, good luck with it. Good luck with the wilderness and good luck with the Children's Books Ireland conference at the later in this month, uh, 24th September. And you can find details childrensbooksireland.ie and tickets can be bought there. Thank you, Steve McCarthy. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. One of Ireland's best bands, Villagers, are set for an acoustic live show at the Everyman Theatre on December 11th. Tickets are on sale now from cybersavenue.ie and wearevillagers.com. Access all areas. The Irish Civil War documentary is a collaboration between RTE and UCC and there will be a preview screening with soundtrack performed live by the RTE Concert Orchestra to take place at 8pm Tuesday, September 13th at Cork Opera House. Tickets are just €10 with all proceeds going to Cork Penny Dinners. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Cork Culture Night, Cork City. Enjoy free events in over 100 venues on Friday, September 23rd. See culturenightcork.ie. On Cork's 96FM. The Cannonball Ireland is about to get underway and the founder joins me, Alan Bannon. Alan, good morning. You've got a very special car, the Ghostbusters car, but built in Galway. Tell me more. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, um, I think that's the car that's going to steal the show. Um, it's been three years restored. It started life as a hearse from the US. and it's as a got, hearse? Uh, as a hearse, yeah. It's a 60-year-old hearse. And the guys who restored it, it's um, a huge petrol head called Petrol Ed. And he's been off and he's spent three years restoring it, actually in Leash. And uh, I know some part of his life was in Cork and major work as well. But it'll be on the event and it's an absolute... Uh, showstopper this car it's, it's unbelievable it's got laser shows it's got music it's got smoke coming out of it and all the guys in the car all six will have Ghostbusters suits on them cool it's 23 feet long it is it's a beast and when you see it in real life no photograph will do it justice it's a moving show that's the truth it's unbelievable yeah yeah because there are some pictures of it on Cannonball Ireland's Facebook but like you said an ordinary photograph no matter enlarged to fill the full screen doesn't do this thing justice no no it's 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 very entertaining and uh, we also have a delorean car which will travel with that and that's from back to the future yeah and the guys have the um all the extra equipment on that and again that'll be 
blown out smoke and the guys that have all their costumes and everything there. So all of those together are a show. In Where house. did you get a DeLorean? We've had a DeLorean and Cannonball for a number of years, to be honest. Um, we've also had novelty cars like the Pope Mobile on it. And we've had some London taxis and American muscle cars from different um, movies. Um, and they all go into the whole mix of the 215 Ferraris and Lamborghinis and sports cars we have as well. Yeah. So tell so, us about Cannonball and when can we see it and how close will it get to Cork this year? Well, Cannonball was set up in 2009. Um, it's our 13th event. We were cancelled with COVID in 2020. So it's the biggest ever Cannonball this year. 215 cars. We're actually raising funds for uh, a Cork uh, lady uh, who set up a charity called Hope Foundation. Oh, yeah. Good morning first. Yeah. Uh, you know, an amazing woman. So it's our second year to partner with the Hope Foundation. And um, we will be in Circle K in Fermoy on Friday the 9th at approximately 12.30 for a quick fuel stop. And on then to the Blue Haven in Kinsale um, for our lunch stop. So all the cars we displayed in various locations and car parks around Kinsale. Um, a big thank you to everybody in Kinsale to make it happen. Um, there's a huge appetite for it. We've been back there a few times. Mm. So for my Circle K and Blue Haven in Kinsale on Friday. And what's your route then to get from Formoy to Kinsale so people might get, catch you in passing? Uh, we'll be going down the Jocklands Tunnel, down through there. Um, oh! So, yeah, yeah. So it'll be the quickest route we can get to Kinsale. About what time will that happen, do you think? Well, the fuel stop is estimated to be in there for about 12.30. Uh, we estimate 15 minutes uh, for a fuel stop. Uh, various cars are going at different times and leave at different times. So there'll be a lot of activities from there. And then it's about 45 minutes from there then to Kinsale. Right. So all these ma- all these bad vehicles, including the ghost buses, are going to go through the Jack Lynch Tunnel at about lunchtime on Friday. It's important to, to, to mention that the, the actual Ghostbusters car, it's actually limited to what it can do as far as speed. So it will leave ahead of the convoy. Uh, I think it's 70 miles an hour is the max it can do. So the majority of the cars will leave about maybe 15, 20 minutes behind that. Right, right, right. Okay, brilliant. So there's a lot happening basically in car from 12.30. Uh, Kinsale should be, we should be hitting Kinsale for about one thirty. Leaving can sail just before three, um, and I think if it was the place to see all of the cars, it would be definitely Circle K. Uh, get in early, say maybe for about eleven thirty, quarter twelve, um, park up down from Circle K. There'd be marshals there to help you, and uh, grab a coffee, wait for the cars. There'd be a lot of excitement in there. Brilliant, brilliant! It sounds like so much, so much fun, and all for the the Hope Foundation, which is which is a very favourite. Uh, Cork Charity. Alan, good luck and safe travelling on Friday uh, through Cork County uh, with your Ghostbusters and the other Cannonball Ireland cars. 200 and something of them. Supercars, fast cars, novelty cars, mad cars and a DeLorean thrown in for good measure. The Cannonball coming to Cork Friday the 9th. Circle K in Formoy for a refuel and then to lunch in Kinsale and going through the Jack Lynch Tunnel. Do you know what? It sounds like a drone photographer's dream to get a drone up and follow that. We'd look absolutely dynamite. Actually, I meant to mention this. There's a drone, it's a gang of drone users on YouTube and I only discovered their their channel very recently. They, they're doing drone filming of 
engineering works and road works and all of that and they're absolutely fabulous I must get the name of it and let you know what it is because they were doing one on the new McCroom bypass and how fast that's moving just came into my head there as I mentioned that how, how much a drone photographer will absolutely love the cannonball thank you Alan 0818 96 96 96 The Cork Diary On Cork's 96 FM The Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary with Tusla Fostering, now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, uh, a bit more clarity now on what may have happened at that disco uh, in Middleton Friday. We got this message in from a listener to The Opinion Line. They say they were in touch with the organisers and they got this reply. Now, we don't know if it was definitely due to the lighting company we haven't had that verified but this is what was sent and we're quoting this message sent to a parent at this stage all we can do is apologize the company that was due to supply the lights and sound informed us at five o'clock that they couldn't supply the equipment we tried really hard to find replacement equipment but we couldn't do that we emailed over 340 customers who had bought tickets and put it up on our social media accounts and on Middleton J's accounts at 6.45. We know the disappointment and disruption this has caused. We'll put on an extra special show on the 24th. Refunds are available to everyone who wants one and we fully understand and accept if people chose this option. Again, sorry for cancelling and for the disappointment that it caused. So as I said, we haven't verified that it was down to the lighting and sound suppliers but the explanation given to one parent was that the lighting and sound company informed them at five o'clock that they could not supply the equipment so that maybe adds a bit more in terms of explanation to what happened on Friday night in Middleton 0818 96 96 96 now this is the 5th of September 5th of autumn and already myself anyway I am just looking at the weeks ahead of us and thinking how dark and dull and dreary it's all going to get and even this morning when the alarm went off I looked and it was still pitch black outside though it brightened up then within 10 or 15 minutes just once it was up and around but the mornings are getting darker and the evenings are getting shorter and you can feel a little chill and a little bite in the air and it's, it's, I, I hate it, to be quite honest with you. They call it September anxiety. Now, it doesn't bother me as much. I'd get on with my life, I'll be grand. I'm not going to get upset and sit in the corner crying about it. But I do hate it too. And it's very, very common. Uh, Keelan O'Dwyer is a psychologist and life coach at Fettle.ie. She's a behavioural psychologist from uh, that Ireland, that 
Trusted Online Therapy Group. And she joins me to talk about this. I'm not I'm not alone, Keelan, am I, in 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 disliking September intensely because I know what's coming ahead of it. Morning. Good morning. No, not at all. The change in seasons can have a huge impact on our well-being and how we feel. And in the autumn and winter months, seasonal affective disorder, which is otherwise known as SAD, is a form of depression that is estimated to affect one in 15 of us between September and April. So symptoms of that would be low energy, social problems due to self-isolation. We kind of want to stay in. I noticed myself at the weekend when it was raining, I didn't want to go out and do anything. You might feel excessively sleepy, you might gain weight, and generally feeling apathetic now. There's a difference between sad and winter blues, but there are things that you can do to make autumn better for you. What kind of things would they be? So getting out in the natural sunlight where possible. So it's sunny out there now. So if you can get out during the day and get the sun while it's out, that's really beneficial for your well-being. If you feel that you might have seasonal affective disorder or if you go to talk to your GP or a therapist and find out that you do, light therapy is very beneficial because in the winter and autumn months, there's a lack of sunlight and Mm. that's the root cause of SAD. So buying a verified SAD lamp and using it as recommended can improve your serotonin and it will also improve your melatonin. So in these autumn winter months, our serotonin, which boosts our mood, is affected as well as our melatonin, which affects our sleep. That's why people can kind of find they're sleeping in more. So using that lamp as recommended can be really helpful. Also our diet. So vitamin D, it's known as the sunshine vitamin, getting a good vitamin D supplement, getting omega fatty acids, vitamin B and B12 are really helpful. So eating nuts, fish, Mm. vegetables and fresh fruit where possible as well can really help improve your mood. Yeah, It's something that there's a September in every year of our life. Keelan, so you'd think that the body would become used to it at this stage rather than, like I looked out this morning at my alarm time of 20 to 6 and it was still dark and I go, oh boy, here we go. You never quite get used to it. I, 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 I hate it. For me, and I personally was diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, gosh, it was around 12 years ago now. Well, Um, It was actually a lecture in college. Thankfully, he spotted it, or I wouldn't have known for a long time that that's what it was, but I would get really down now. It would start around September, but I'd really be low, very low come November, find it very hard to get out of bed. And he came up to me and he was like, oh, you're not making it to your morning lectures. And he's like, is something going on? And I was like, I just can't get out of the bed. I can't get the motivation. Mm -hmm. So he referred me to a college counsellor and she said it was this. And I have to say, using the the light therapy, making sure I'm eating right and just getting out in the sunshine where possible, it's really improved my well-being and it's really helped me manage that, those feelings of kind of downness and sadness. So my recommendation would definitely be the light therapy, kind of managing your diet and just getting out where possible, but also as well when we're feeling down, And, you know, autumn brings up different things for different people. And I know you're saying that you find it tough, you know, using this time to recharge your batteries because 
you know, the hecticness, the hecticness of summer is gone mm. and we're coming up to the Christmas hustle and bustle. So if you are finding September tough, do a few nice nourishing things for yourself, you know, mm. plan a few small trips, go to see friends, you know, watch that Netflix documentary you may, may be wanting to watch or mm. get a book that you were looking forward to read. Really plan nice activities into your week to kind mm. of lift your spirits as well. I think that's so I think so what important. it is with, with me, Keelan, and I can only speak personally here, the month of September and weather-wise it can be nice and I know this week looks fairly grotty but there's an improvement promised to us again after the weekend the the weather can be nice and you can still get some beautiful sunshine in September I think with me it's not so much September as in it is knowing what is coming that you're just you're only going downhill in terms of length of the day the temperatures the wet the cold and that there's nothing going to happen I literally have a counter on my phone for the first weekend of March which you start to see those lovely early sunrises again. And that's not SAD, is it? That's just a feeling of dread of the winter. It depends on the, what you're experiencing with that. If you are experiencing the low energy, the, so, the social problems, the excessive sleepiness, change in your patterns of eating and your sleep, then I would look into talking to someone or getting more information on that. The light box would be effect, affected, effective for anybody if mm. you choose to use it. But I think just kind of making the best of kind of a bad situation, so to speak. So if you don't like September, how can you make it as pleasant as possible for yourself? So, you know, as you're saying, there there is nice days ahead and we're having a nice day now. So how can you maximize that? Yes. Like, how can you show up with compassion? How can you practice self-care? How can you kind of nurture yourself when you know that you don't like this month? I find, for me, Christmas is just so hectic. Mm. And it's so dark in November, December. For me, is isn't really pleasant. So I always make sure I have nice things to do on my calendar to look right. forward to. Yeah, yeah. And really kind of take the weekends for myself and kind of rest. Yeah, and, and for me, you see, we're to- totally different people. I think everyone is listening to us talking and their, their own version of events happens in their own mind. Like, I absolutely live for Christmas. So September is over, October is a bit of a downer, and then you start into the hustle and bustle. And by Christmas, I'm on a high for Christmas, and then whoosh, off a cliff again in January. Yeah, January, the January blues, there's um, a lot of research around that, especially in kind of the financial element. And then you have all the the busyness of Christmas and then it's kind of like completely quiet and you're going back to work. I I almost see September, it's like the new year in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. you have the fun of summer over and the festivities of summer are gone and then you're back to school, you're back to work, you're back to routine again. Mm. Someone actually said that, I was reading a piece about this last week, and someone said that they see the first week in September as like the first week of a new year, because the, the, the children going back to school, everybody going back to work after the holidays, it, it tends to symbolise the start of another new year. Yeah, it's definitely the back to kind of the way things were, back to work, back to school, back to college, yeah. and kind of that sense of routine again after kind of in the summer, people tend to be a bit lax with their diet. They tend to have a bit of a lie-in. We kind of are a bit freer in the summer. And then it's back to the routine. But what I kind of say to people is to not compound that for themselves. What I find is a lot of us, 
put back and it's almost like our diet has to be perfect, our sleep has to be perfect, we have to be perfectly into our routines. Just pick one thing at a time to work on. A lot of people, they, they start off in a new diet in September and then they're trying to get loads of different things in a row. Just pick one thing to work on. So for myself, I'm trying to get back into a better sleep pattern at the moment. Yeah. And then in a week or two, I might look at the diet and kind of work on that. But don't take on in, like too many things at once. And if you are anxious, and I know at this time of the year, a lot of students are very anxious. Yes. Going back to college, you, they look at their, their huge college books and they're like, I have five of these to get through <laughs> by I'm Christmas. I'm never going to get through any of these. Yeah, I'm <laughs> never going to get into dread. And even sometimes I can see... Um, my cousin was showing me all her books and I actually felt, felt a sense of dread. And what, what I said to her was, just do five minutes a day. Start off with five minutes a day of reading and then practice self-care. So just get started and then do something nice for yourself after. And then what happens is it builds. And actually, that five minutes a day over seven days, that's over an hour of study done. And it's really manageable, but we're all or nothing creatures as humans and we just take on too much too soon. So go easy this September on yourself and ease back into your routine. Okay, and taking vitamin D supplements is to be recommended. I've been doing it for years. Yeah, definitely talk to your GP or pharmacist and get the right one for you because I know there's different um, there's different milligrams. um, If you do have SAD, you need a, a you need a certain amount, so just to make sure you're taking the proper amount. All right. Okay. All right, Keelan, thank you very much. That's Keelan O'Dwyer, behavioural psychologist from Fettle.ie, Ireland's trusted online therapy site. Thank you. Actually, this message. PJ, the cat came in last night for the first time since June. Winter is coming. You're not wrong. I have two cats, as, as people know. One in particular is our weather vane. We have one that just does exactly as she pleases, but the other is a little weather vane, Holly, she's a black cat. And if she goes out, then you can expect the night to be relatively dry and pleasant. But last night, I was letting the dogs out to do their nighttime business, and it was dry when I was letting them out. And I was just standing at the at the door, looking up at the sky and whatever. And the cats came down, and I, she went to the door. She went to the door and she put one whisker out the door and she scuttled back in up the stairs again. She won't go out in that. And so the rain came. 0818 96 96 96. Edinburgh Fringe Festival, they've put together some of the best gags from it. Tim Vine is in there at number eight. I used to live hand to mouth. Do you know what changed my life? Cutlery. (laughs) (laughs) I spent the whole morning building the time machine, so that's four hours of my life I'm definitely getting back. back. (laughs) Do you know if you get pregnant in the Amazon, it's next day delivery. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. So the Green Ribbon campaign uh, is underway for another month. It happens in the month of September and focuses on mental health. And this year, there is the launch or there is the theme of shame in uh, the mental the Green Ribbon campaign. More on that in a moment. But I'm joined by uh, Dara Fleming, who's a Green Ribbon campaign ambassador. Dara, good morning. Hey, PJ. How are you getting on? How are you, fella? You all right? 
Yeah, I'm good. Keeping uh, well. Keeping good well. man. Tell me about the Green Ribbon campaign and and what it's all about, and and your role. Yeah, for sure. So the Green Ribbon campaign is a, a campaign run by Sea Change Ireland, which is essentially uh, to cut it down to the basic idea premise is to reduce stigma in mental health and mental illness. So um, the Green Ribbon essentially works as a, a conversation starter. So when you see the Green Ribbon on someone, you know that they're open to talk about mental health. And so the more of the people that wear them, the more everyone feels comfortable talking about mental health, talking about mental illness, maybe having a difficult conversation that they never felt comfortable they talking about before. So the Green Ribbon campaign is being launched in Cork tomorrow at 11 in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. Uh, and it's free to go to, you just have to register on seachange.ie, but it's totally free and there'll be, uh, I'll be talking down there myself and Barbara will also be talking. And it's just a good way to get people involved, learn more about the campaign and how they can like engage with the content across the month of September. Yeah. Now I've been to, I've been talking to, in some detail to Barbara in just a minute. But you you've got your own um, story in, in in terms of mental health. Yeah, uh, for sure and we talked about it before PJ. Um so as you know, uh, my best friend Irby Underwood took his own life in 2012. Yeah. And after that, um I was grieving, but that grief kind of morphed into depression unbeknownst to me. Uh, and for a long time, I, probably a lot to do with shame itself, um, I kind of denied that there was anything wrong. Like I, I acted as if, you know, uh, this was normal. It was normal not to be feeling anything. It was normal to to be numb to emotion uh, until eventually I had a panic attack on the street and uh, on a college night out in 2015. And once that happened, I kind of realized that I had been dealing with depression for three or four years, but just not... Um, you didn't know? Yeah, didn't know and didn't want to confront it because I guess in my own head, I I was self-stigmatizing and I thought that like if I had depression, then there was, there was something wrong with me or there was something to be ashamed of. So I didn't really want to acknowledge it. But once I had the panic attack, um, I could do nothing but confront it. So I started going to counselling in UCC and from there kind of made my way back to feeling you know in a more uh, secure place. And you're writing now and all that you're writing yeah, like, your yeah so I, the blog Hot's Too Big uh, which I write you know weekly blogs about mental health and I think for me the difference has been just talking openly about mental health has allowed me to understand that you're not alone and you're, you're, you're almost never alone in, in mental health struggles like someone else's has always felt something similar or may have gone through the exact same thing. And I think writing about this stuff has you know, generated a community and people reach out and you understand that, like, you know, there are other people who've gone through you've gone through and can help you get through it as well. And before I go to Barbara, just that realisation, Dara, at that moment when you realise, and I don't know what age you were when it happened, but you're in your 20s now, what, at what point did you realise I'm not alone and, and how much of a game changer is that? I even think like the day after I had the panic attack um, so I was doing uh, applied psychology in UCC and I told my friends there and I was kind of afraid to tell them because I thought they might kind of you know feel awkward and almost shun me but they were the most supportive and they were like yeah we all go to counselling you should definitely try it out and it was that moment where I was like people struggle with stuff all the time unbeknownst to all of us and so everyone's dealing with their own thing and I think knowing that made me feel far less alone and once I realised that it was just a there was a switch 
went to my head and I realized, okay, you just need to like look after yourself. You need to do whatever needs doing in order to get back to a more like uh, mentally happy place. And yeah, that was the key difference. I think just finding out that everyone else also struggles to some degree. Yeah. All right, Dara, good to talk to you, mate. We'll talk again soon. That's Dara Fleming. He's an ambassador for a green ribbon. And we mentioned Barbara Brennan, who joins me. Barbara, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, thanks. Good to speak with you. You have a long story with with it. It started at 12, Barbara. That's right, that's right. And and like Dara, I had that experience of not knowing what was happening and not understanding it. And, and then when I started understanding what was going on, that fear of I don't want to be judged, I don't want to be labelled. Um, and so for me, actually, how we found out that I had depression was through a suicide attempt and going through psychiatric services following that. But again, because because we're going back 20 plus years, you know, the, the services were very different then. And, and I have experienced a lot of change, which is fantastic to, to help people to get information before it gets to that point. Yeah. Um, and I think the points that, that Dara has made about the, the fact that everybody has difficulties and that we never know what's going on with somebody else, it's so important because we tell ourselves stories and we get caught up in our own minds around it. And it's something that I definitely did for a very, very long time. So I had 15 years not working, being incredibly unwell. Um, I have bipolar disorder one and I've been diagnosed with a number of different um different mental health difficulties in addition to that. Um, but that was the main one. Um, I've experienced psychosis and those kind of things as well. So very, very challenging in throughout my teens and my early 20s. Um, and I ended up on life support at the end of my 20s for a week after taking a very serious attempt on my life. And following that, I woke up when I shouldn't. And um, my life has been incredible because I understood I got this chance. And I have worked really, really hard, like Dara, to go and find out what is it that I need. I did counselling. I did all different things to do with my health and well-being, my physical self, my, my spiritual self, my mental self, all of the different parts of me. And I looked at what is going to what is going to make a change because I can't wait for somebody to fix me anymore. Because mm. that's what a lot of us do when we're worried. Yeah. We go to somebody to, to get the medication or to get the fix. And it's not, I don't have anything against medication, just to be clear. Sure. For some people, it's very necessary and can help. But there's loads of stuff that we can do as well. There was, there was a time, and it's not a whole long time ago, uh, Barbara. I'm talking maybe 10, maybe yeah, 10 years ago, we didn't have open conversations like this on the radio about Correct. what people have been through. It just wasn't talked about. That's changed. And how important is that change? It is, absolutely. And and when you mentioned 10 years as well, I think about my own my own journey with Sea Change, I suppose. So I was one of the very first ambassadors back in 2010 and helped launch the very first Green Ribbon campaign in 2012. And so I started working through the programme um, and helped to deliver the workplace programme and eventually came um, became a staff member and took over running the Sea Change programme. And my understanding is that because the organisation I work with understands about mental health difficulties and supports people, it gives people, and I'm going to say like me, but people who have difficulties a chance to move forward. And one of the things that I've seen in the 12 years that I've been working alongside Sea Change is that we are having different conversations so 10 years ago, when we talked about mental health, people jumped to mental illness. They jumped to this idea of a person who was incapable of living a life, probably on a lot of medication, probably in hospital, 
thinking that they were dangerous, thinking that they should be afraid of them. So they had all these um, prejudice and kind of discriminatory thoughts around people and kind of writing them off. And we've moved really away from that. We've also moved away from the language that we used to use. So we used to say a lot more like, oh, you know, she's mad or um, he's a lunatic. Mm. We understand hurtful that your own has been diagnosed. And I also think that, that the pandemic has, has actually given us a gift in that so many people have experienced low mood, loneliness, yeah. fear, all of these different things. And we've started saying, I'm I'm worried or I'm lonely or I feel a bit low or I don't know what's wrong with me. So we're having human conversations. And I think that's the biggest bit, because if my story will do anything, it will t- it will tell anybody that no matter how bad it gets, there is always hope that it can get better. And it is one step at a time. And it also means that for anybody who is in the beginning stages of finding out about their own mental health conditions, that it means that with time and with with work and the right thing, Things like your sleep and your eating and your exercise, your friends, all that stuff, you can get control of it and you can live a wonderful life. You 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 use the expression "people like me," and I've listened to people over the years say that your mental health issue is a part of you. This is part yeah. of being Barbara, and it has to yeah. be as normal that that's a part of being Barbara, just like having arthritis in my neck which causes me pain in my hands and my arms as a normal part of being me. It has yeah. the two have to be the exact same in how we talk about them. They do they do absolutely and I think I think I'm at a point now when where when I say people like me, I'm kind of a little bit tongue in cheek because actually all of us have mental health. And when for anybody who's listening who's still trying to get their head around what is this mental health thing, if you've ever been happy, if you've ever been sad, if you've ever been worried, mm-hmm. if you've ever been, you know, like Dara was speaking about bereavement, that's a really confusing and difficult space to move through. You know, if you've ever if you've ever had confusion or sadness or loneliness, any of those things, that is all our mental health. And it's when we start neglecting to look after it or we start pushing it aside and not wanting to deal with it. And it starts impacting our sleep. So now we're not sleeping properly for weeks or months. You know, we're not going for the walk or we're not linking in with friends or we're not eating well. All of those things contribute to a lower mood. And so that's that's when we start looking at the impact of mental health, actually, in a negative way that it's about. But most importantly, not having any shame to say, I'm not feeling OK. Yeah. And that's I wanted to I, was, I knew you'd get to there eventually this idea that shame is the theme this September and yes let me put this to you Barbara if someone said well I have and I just pluck it out of the out of my head here I have celiac disease and and occasionally as a result of celiac I can get very sick if I eat the wrong thing you would never ever be ashamed or of saying that but in your case, yeah. I have a mental health issue that occasionally makes me feel pretty awful. I have, you know, bipolar type one. Why is there a shame yeah. over that and not over something like celiac? Let's explore that. Well, it goes very much into the very first part of it. The difference between mental health issues and physical illnesses is that we do not say I am celiac disease. 
We do not say I am cancer, I am diabetes, I am heart attack. And yet we say I am depressed, I am bipolar, I am schizophrenic, I amn't. And yet it has been identified as the person for a very long time. The other thing is from a, a point of view of stigma and the impact of stigma, when we're thinking about that, it's because of the fear. So people see somebody with this label and then they judge them and they make these preconceived thoughts and and then take actions based on that so what that might look like is so my friend barbara has just been diagnosed with bipolar bipolar disorder i've read about that before or i've i've seen a movie and the movie i saw was that the person with bipolar disorder was a bit deranged and they were they were unsafe and a bit scary actually and they weren't able to hold down a job and you know they were they were a bit all over the place so i'd better stay away and give barbara a bit of space because i don't want to be associated with that or i don't want to become afraid of her and and i don't want to be worrying about myself when i'm with her so those are the kind of preconceived things that used to happen thankfully people are getting better at challenging those thoughts now at challenging that kind of thing but it really is down to that piece about being labeled being seen as differently be, being treated differently and i think that's the piece around shame that we're really trying to get at because two years ago we focused on discrimination last year we focused and this year what we're trying to do is show life is hard at the best of times and when you get an illness on top of it that's even harder yeah. when you add that layer of stigma and shame it means that people hide it means they withdraw from from their own lives it means that they treat themselves even worse and their own worst critic so they're mm. adding all of the negative layers which is never going to help them get better and it means so that's that why their condition gets about. worse because i'm sure i'm sure if people are stigmatized yeah. and shamed it just makes what's what's up with them worse put a question to you barbara exactly. that came up here during the hardest and toughest days of lockdown so we're talking about maybe the spring of 2020 and the early part of 2021 the toughest days of lockdown and we talked about a feeling Mm. that those of us like myself I'm I'm blessed with robust good health I have to say mental health robust Mm. good mental health and I'm always grateful for that but there were days when I stood at my kitchen window looking out or my front window looking out and I felt this kind of darkness going Jesus, is this it now? Is this it now? And I thought to myself, what must it be like to wake up every morning and think, is this it now? I think it gave me an awareness of what people go through. Yeah. It does. And I think that, that that's kind of the point I was making about COVID that has given us this gift and this insight to understand while maybe some people have never experienced a mental illness, they can start to understand that human piece of I know what it's like to struggle a little bit. And to the people who are listening, who are in that place, whether they have a diagnosed condition or not, and they are feeling that low or they are feeling in that place of oh God, is this it now? One of the things that, that I, I did that dragged me out of that place was I I started doing the routines and doing the rituals from a point of view of saying, I don't feel like going for a walk. I don't feel like making myself a healthy, a healthy lunch or whatever. I don't feel like going to bed early. I'd rather stay up and watch Netflix or other things because they're easier. But I started doing them anyway. And what I found was when I started doing those routines and I started forcing myself to do it, In the beginning, I didn't enjoy it, but then it became habit. And then my mood started lifting because I was eating better. I was sleeping better. And I was doing things that that was 
helping my mood as well as my physical self. And I think sometimes that's the bit that we're missing, that we're waiting for our mood to change. We're waiting for momentum. We're waiting for motivation. And the thing that I have learned is that motivation does not come first. Momentum comes first. So you have to move and go and get the motivation and then you'll get the motivation to keep going. But it's about making that very first step and saying, I could, I am alive because I lived every day until this. So it means I can. And that's the bit for people. There's an old saying, two last brief points. There's an old saying, feel the fear, but do it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. And I think that's the bit that people really need to, to get behind. And so from a point of view of getting involved in our Green Ribbon campaign, it's about hearing voices like Dara's, like mine, and finding out that they're not alone, that there are so many people. So I'll signpost to our website, that's seachange.ie. Yeah. We have an army of ambassadors that have been trained in how to tell their story in an appropriate way. We also have a podcast uh, series that's Sea Change Sessions with the Little Gale that's on Spotify and it's on our website. If people want one of those green ribbons they can go into any AIB Boots Air or Irish Rail Mm. around the country and pick one up if there's a company or an organisation listening and they'd like to get them for their staff they can email us at info at seachange.ie whether it's 100, 500 or 1000 we would be delighted to support them they're free of charge and they can follow us on LinkedIn Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and um, TikTok and we are Sea Change IRL we would love for people to get out and start having conversations and most importantly know that it's okay to not have all the answers it's okay not to feel great but we need to just start. And lastly, and briefly, Barbara, how important is it that if you ask someone how they are, that you listen to the answer? Absolutely massive, but there's two things, because we're we're terrified in Ireland. We have so many different ways of saying, how are you doing? How are you? How's it going? But we're terrified somebody's actually going to tell us. So it's about having that that, um, confidence to say, I'm afraid that I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid they're going to tell me something that I don't know what to do with. And that's okay. Because we can start in that place and say, how are you doing? And when they say, I'm fine or I'm grand, and we say, no, actually, how are you really doing? And then listen. And then all we need to say is, that must be difficult for you. Or I didn't know about that. Tell me about that. Or what what have you done before that might that that might help you now? So it's again about putting it back and not taking on that I have to fix something. And also knowing about the signposting that we can go to, like yourmentalhealth.ie, like Shine, like um, Pieta House or the Samaritans. There are wonderful organisations that we can go to and signpost to. So to know it's absolutely okay not to have the answers, but it's really, really important. And it's why we have two ears and one mouth, because we should listen twice as much as we speak. Barbara, thank you very much. Good to speak with you. That's Barbara Brennan, Sea Change, and Dara Fleming before that, seachange.ie, Green Ribbon Campaign. There's loads and loads of information there. You'll find it all out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. If you're at work or in the car, whatever's going on in your world of the afternoon, make sure you're with me for all the biggest tunes and the best prizes from midday here on Cork's 96FM. Daniel was on to say, I want to ask what's wrong with the cyclists. They all were out last night in dark clothing. No lights on in the driving rain. I'm a cyclist myself, says Daniel. But it's so many shocks last night when I was out driving. It's just not on. Safety helmets are cheap. And so too, I assume, is the day glow stuff. But people are embarrassed to use them. Yeah. 
The cyclists are very... And you know what's going to be? And I'm making a prediction here now. And I've been talking about them all summer and all spring. What's going to become an even bigger problem in the early mornings, when the mornings are darker, and there's blasted scooters. Because you cannot see them at all. And they come up beside you on the inside, on the wrong side, going the wrong way. You can't see them. So that's going to be... Please light up if you're on a bike or on a scooter. Please, please, please light up and light up well. 0800 sound at Say La Vie, the new single from Nicole O'Brien, who we talked to you before, Nicole, when you were on Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Morning. Hello, how are you? Good. That's a great sounding record. <laughs> oh, thank you. I've been waiting so long to release that, so I'm delighted. <laughs> this is your first song? So it's actually my third, um, but that one I've waited like a full year to release. Um, any music in the last year so yeah that was that's the big one that I've been waiting on <laughs> like when you and I were talking about Too Hot to Handle back a couple of years ago were, were you still was music what you wanted all the time oh always the only reason I did Too Hot to Handle like honestly was to do my music to get following and all that jazz but like that's all I wanted to do I don't think I'm I, I love doing TV, but no more dating shows or anything for me anymore. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've spoiled one of my questions now, because I know that b- before Too Hot to Handle, you were mad for Love Island, but that's that's gone off the agenda. It's it's music now. So tell me about this. this did, you, did you write this yourself? It's all your own production. Where did you get it all done? Yeah, so I co-wrote it with another fella. Um, the producers are amazing. It took me about a year or so to find like the right team because I kind of got in with the wrong team at the start in terms of management and all that um, and it ended up being just a huge drama and now these lads have worked with Anne-Marie Youngblood, KSI they've done all their tracks so they're absolutely amazing, it's always like a pinch me moment whenever I'm with them so they know what they're doing <laughs> Yeah, And when you hear your tune a little bit of your tune played on a radio show how does that feel? so mental like I always think if like 15 year old me could see what's happening now I just wouldn't even believe it because it's always been a dream of mine and I've always wanted to do it so it's just it is so crazy and sometimes it's hard to get my head around it because I'm like wow it's actually happening now like it's very exciting so when you were working in the post office or the corner shop in Ina Shannon all those years ago (laughs) were you were you were you (laughs) I haven't forgotten were you were you were you writing tunes in the back office on your tea break oh my god I love that yeah well do you know what I've been writing music with my sisters and everything since I was very young and that's so funny you remember me working there yeah like god that's like 15 years ago or 10 years ago 10 years ago oh my god I'm getting old um, but yeah I've always just written my own music um, but now I've got amazing songwriters as well who've done all these big pop stars so yeah it's good Are you excited about the prospect? Oh my god very excited but it's also a bit stressful and like quite nerve wracking because like 
you know, it can go either way. So it's really trying to stay on top of everything and do as much as I can. And I think I do give myself credit in terms of being driven and know what I want. And I will work my bum off um, until I get there. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do now. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's a real... You call it yourself a boss bitch anthem. Like, it's uh, read the yeah. lyrics. It's tough. It's uncompromising. I know. How yeah, much so of it is personal? How much, of, how much of this is you being you? Oh, about 95%. So I've had, like, awful, you know, past relationships over the past few years and situationships that just really tore down my confidence, Not you know, made me feel really bad about myself. And they were not so nice people and it really broke me and my confidence that I built up doing TV and I just kind of had an epiphany um, you know like early last year being like I need to just sort myself out like where is my you know boss woman energy gone so I went into the studio and we did this track and although it's such a happy fun track it does have quite a deep meaning behind it and I do think you know a lot of like people do get in those situations and it's not just women it's like guys as well can be in those situations and it's trying to you know just be like you know love yourself more than you love this person because you're you're number one so put yourself first sometimes and just leave it and Mm. go live your life (laughs) i I listened to it a couple times over the weekend knowing you'd be coming on today nicole and it's it's exactly that it's a lovely poppy happy track and then you start to listen you know the way it takes mm. a few song, a few listens to a song. With me, it's always the melody, the production, the rhythm. If that yeah. brings me in, then I start listening to the song. I think she's reading. A, she's actually writing a very powerful song here, as well as producing mm-hmm. a pop track. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I kind of like I look up to Anne Marie quite a lot, and that is what she does as well. Mm. And I just think you know. It's important to have that meaning in a track and also just have it like really fun and lighthearted. Something when you're driving down the road, you can whack it up on the radio, mm. you know. So that, that was the vibe for it, 100%. So what's next? Push this? So, so next is I'll be doing some gigs. So we're just sorting out dates and venues and stuff. And oh. then I've got a lot more music ready to go. So over the past few years, or the past year when I haven't been releasing anything, I've been working with my team, getting so many tracks ready. So there's a lot more to come. Um, this is just the beginning of hopefully something big and hopefully my career. You mentioned um, gigs. Will we see you at home? Yes, I'm going to come back. I was actually going to come back um, towards the end of this week, but it might be next week or the week after. I haven't been home in like six months, so I am dying to get back to West Cork. <laughs> you're going to play here, though. You're going to gig here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm thinking the oh, community definitely. hall down in Shannon. Like, you put yourself on there. Really, really. Talk, <laughs> talk about some homecoming. <laughs> exactly. You know, you'd never know. You'd never know. Never say never. <laughs> I'm thinking of Alice, Alice Taylor blessing herself down the back road. Oh, and <laughs> I love Alice. Yes, I love that. Oh, this is sad. Well, yeah. when, you, when you do come back, pop in for an old natter in the studio. Would you do of that? Of course. I would, I would love that. I would love that, 100%. All right. All right. Well, good luck. Good luck with it, Nicole. Always good to catch up. I think we were the first show you did when you were going in on Netflix, and you couldn't tell, yeah. you couldn't tell me anything at the time. Oh, I know. I remember that well. Oh, my God. That's like three years ago now. I know. Mad. In the middle of lockdown as well. Nicole, cheers, and best luck with the song. Song called Sylvie. That's Nicole O'Brien from Inner Shannon. That's it for today. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, producer. 
produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. See you tomorrow just after nine. All the stars on one show. This is Dua Lipa. Hi, this is Tiesto. Oi, this is Shane Conn. Hey, this is Becky Hill. Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber. This is Joe Corey. Hey, I'm Dermot Kennedy. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks on your radio. Weeknights from 8 on Cork's 96FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.